Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee Brewers by Peter and David Go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, Peter Go. Excited to go through another week of Brewers baseball here alongside, uh, as always, our co-host, David. David, what's the good word today? Well, Brewers seem to be doing a little bit better. Uh, we are recording this Saturday night, so coming off a, a pretty good win, 9-5 victory of the Cardinals. Uh, so they, they all, the pitching staff's been good, and uh, there have been some encouraging things. So um, overall, that's been good, and probably the most exciting location. Uh, I'm recording this podcast from Grand Forks, North Dakota. Um, thrilling place. Uh, I had before today, I had never been to North Dakota in my life and now twice in one week. Um, so it's been a real, uh, a, a real interesting week. First, Minot, North Dakota, and then, um, and then Grand Forks. Well, you know, everybody's just itching to get out and start traveling more. So uh, understandably for you, I know your, your first thing on the list, first place you got to travel to after being cooped up for so long. Uh, definitely North Dakota, as I'm sure it is for, for many others, but uh, glad you're enjoying your time there. And like you said, Brewers did have, you know, overall a pretty good week. A lot of positive signs from both individual players and pitching staffs alike. Um, you talked about the Brewers 9-5 win a Saturday. It was a fun game to watch um, and a good win for the Brewers. Good to see the bats come alive. Um, but let's, uh, before we, 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 we uh, take a look at uh, the Brewers series against the Cubs and, and Cardinals, uh, what's today's trivia question? Today's trivia question is pretty specific to the past week where we've seen a number of good pitching performances. And Corbin Burns actually did this. The question is, how many times has a pitcher in Major League history had two consecutive starts of six-plus innings and one or, few hit, one or fewer hits and no walks? Um, so again, two consecutive starts of six or more innings, one or fewer hit, and zero walks. And that is prior to this week when Corbin Burns did that. So again, in Major League history, uh, in uh, recorded Major League history, how many times has that happened? Uh, so that is today's trivia question. And uh, just one of the things that we'll highlight of how great the pitching staff has been really so far. Uh, and that moves us into uh, today's random player of the day. We saw... Corbin Burns take a no-hit bid into the seventh. We saw Woodruff do the same. And we saw, of course, Joe Musgrove with the Padres uh, actually complete a no-hitter, nine-inning no-hitter against the Rangers on Friday night, which uh, brings us to today's random player of the day, Juan Nieves, who has thrown the lone no-hitter in Brewers franchise history. And that came in April of 1987. It was part of the iconic uh, streak. And um, that streak, of course, uh, had a, a number of memorable moments, including Nieves's no-hitter in Baltimore, and then also uh, the Easter Sunday game with Dale Swaim and Rob Deere hitting big home runs. Seems like it's celebrated at some point every year. Um, and that, that 12th win also got free hamburgers for everyone from George Webb's back in 87. So Juan Nieves's no-hitter was part of that streak. Brewers broadcaster Bill Schroeder caught it. Um, I think that, um, I guess I could check this real quick. Uh, and in that game against Baltimore, where he did throw the Brewers lone no-hitter, uh, he threw, of course, nine innings and no hits, but he did walk five, and he struck out seven. Um, I don't know if his pitch count is on here. Uh, but That's what I was about to ask. Yeah, I don't think they have pitch counts uh, dating back that far. 
but you have to imagine it was uh, pretty high. Juan Davis did uh, have that great game, and Brewers have come close more recently, CC Sabathia in 2008, uh, being the most recent one that um, maybe a bad scoring call on the hitter error. I think it was Andy LaRoche, um, I, I, I want to say. Maybe someone else, but um, otherwise, right. complete game, one hitter. The uh, Brewers have never had a no-hitter since then, and I have to think that is probably one of, if not the longest streak of a team. The Padres hadn't thrown a no-hitter before Musgrove, and uh, Brewers haven't now in 34 years, and probably in a pretty good spot to to reverse the fortunes with Burns and Woodruff. Uh, but either way, today's random player of the day is Juan Nieves. Yeah, I think he's a very fitting random player of the day, known uh, in, in the Brewers franchise, like you said, for that one no-hitting uh, start and the only no-hitter in Brewers history, which is statistically very surprising that <laughs> just the sheer number of games the Brewers have played um, across the 50 years, you would imagine that at some point someone would just run into another one, but that has not been the case. But like you said, uh, I do actually think that um, high strikeout pitchers like Burns and Woodruff um, are more popular in across the league. And as the Brewers have two really good ones in Burns and Woodruff, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw it in the next couple of years. I, even Mike Fires, like how does Mike Fires throw two no hitters? Um, but then yet, well, of course, while he was with the Brewers, um, he didn't have either of those. So I don't know. It's just kind of one of those things that's worked out that way. But Nonetheless, there you have it. Juan Nieves, our random player of the day today. Uh, kind of some big news. Uh, I would call it a, a mid-level trade, I guess. Uh, just by the, the, the sheer fact that Orlando RC has been, you know, with the Brewers for over five years and uh, formerly the Brewers' top prospect, the top 10 prospect in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, as I'm sure many of you have heard at this point, Orlando RC being sent to the Braves for two arms um, in a trade that um, really looks like the Brewers – are behind Luis Urias and are willing to uh, give him um, the ropes over at shortstop. What was your thoughts on the trade, David, uh, both on, on what it looks like for Urias as well as the Brewers Hall on the trade? Yeah, um, I'll start off with what impact Arcia left on the Brewers. He certainly didn't live up to the expectations they had for him. 2016, he got called up short stint with the team, 55 games, and there were definitely some growing pains. The year following, though, was when he semi-broke out 2017, 277 average, showed some pretty good defense, and overall, the, the solid defense continued, but the bat just continued to regress, it seemed like, year after year. 2018, he was maybe the worst hitter in all of baseball. 2019, similar numbers, and it was really just the postseason when he would break out. He's the Brewers uh, all-time post postseason home run leader I think I think you mentioned that on one of the old podcasts uh, so uh, he did show up in the postseason I guess um, maybe Mr. October 2.0 um, Reggie Jackson was the first and RC is the second uh, but yeah he he didn't live up to expectations but uh, he does um, I think provide some value to the Braves now as a bench bench option I think he he still did with the Brewers but I do think that it was a pretty good haul. He was a good clubhouse presence. I, I do think that definitely was the case. But as far as on-field value, uh, the two arms that they got, uh, the first one, Patrick Weigel, he was drafted a few years ago. He's on the older side. He uh, is already almost 27, and he's now at the alternate site. Had Tommy John surgery a couple of years ago, but he does throw about 93 to 95. He's regained his velo finally after that Tommy John surgery, big 6'6 frame. And he's got a pretty good slider, probably 
long-term a reliever, but pretty good fastball slider combination. And in the bullpen, could be sitting more like 96 to 98. Brewers have had success with developing some really good bullpen arms over the past couple of years. So maybe Patrick Weigel's another guy where they could have success developing him. And then the other guy that they got, Chad Sabatka, actually has some experience at the major league level. 2018, he really broke out. He was called up at age 24, 1.88 ERA in 14 and a third innings, and was probably their best bullpen option down the stretch in that division winning team for the Braves. 2019 just simply didn't have the same stuff. He allowed a lot more home runs, a few less strikeouts, and was less lucky on batted balls, had an ERA over six, and didn't really get much of an opportunity last year. Uh, so Brewers hopefully saw something in Sabatka. He also is a very big right-handed pitcher. Um, he is 6'7", 225. Uh, he is... Yeah, also kind of like Weigel, a, a fastball slider guy, and could be a decent reliever. Uh, I think Sabatka's kind of like a Ray Black. He throws really hard, um, but presumably a better Ray Black. Brewers seemingly have given up on, on him. So two, I'd say, solid depth arms. I could see, especially Weigel with a little more upside, maybe making an impact even this year. Yeah, and when you think about Orlando Arcia's value on the field, like you said, uh, not a ton of value on the field. Um, he wasn't, I, I know they had talked about, um, you know, trying to turn him into more of a super utility guy and getting him in the outfield. But the reality was there wasn't a whole lot of a reason to get him into the outfield because that, that would mean that he was be getting at bats, um, which was not very valuable or mm -hmm. was not valuable at all for the Brewers. Yeah, it's, offense. Not, it's not like they were trying yeah. to get his bat in the lineup by any means. Exactly, exactly. So at the end of the day, when you think about, you know, Jace Peterson versus Orlando Arcia, it, are we really losing a lot if we have Jace Peterson picking up some at-bats and some uh, games that Arcia would be playing? I'm not really sure that we're losing too much value. And like you said, we get two pitchers out of it. If one of them becomes a, a, a decent middle reliever, it's probably a win for the Brewers in that probably. trade. Probably, the, the relative difference between a guy like Arcia Peter versus Peterson, or even, you know, a, a replacement, not even a replacement level, but just a fringe guy who comes off the bench. Like there's, Jake there's just not a big difference. Yes, a Jake Elmore, a Colin Walsh, may I add, uh -huh. just so I can get his yeah. name in there. Oh, so we can get it. I, uh, I was looking at the, the single season college home run records, um, like the highest, and in like the top 25 all time, Joe Dillon, 1997 at Texas Tech, uh, former Brewers pinch hitter for like a year or two yes. in the mid-2000s. Um, yep, he was like a good Brewer it. name that I, I saw on there. Um, yeah, but um, but yeah, I, I would agree with you about the, uh, about the difference between Peterson and Arcia, at least on the field. And Arcia does leave with that last impression, I guess, on Brewers fans of that opening day walk-off. So at least is an exciting moment. Hopefully he can provide some value for the Braves uh, and um, produce a little bit there. Yeah, he certainly didn't perform, like you said, as a, up to expectations as a top prospect. But overall, Brewers fans, I think, did enjoy um, him as a, as a player watching. He, he was still fun to watch. Defense uh, had some dazzling defensive plays as well through the years. Um, and overall, you know, a little bit sad to see Orlando Arcia traded just because of the, his time. And, and like I said, an enjoyable player to watch. But nonetheless, we'll see how that trade pans out for the Brewers as well. Um, another uh, news uh, item to note, I guess I would say, would be Colton Wong uh, out with an oblique injury. I'm not exact, 
exactly sure on the specific timetable for that return for him. Uh, but the Brewers did uh, recall Jace Peterson, who got some playing time in Saturday's game. Um, and, you know, that does, you know, take out the Brewers starting second baseman. Uh, we'll see how much that, that really plays into it and how long that injury um, is prolonged for Wong. But hopefully Wong is able uh, to get back. Any other yeah. uh, Brewers news that you'd like to share before we get to uh, this week? Well, going back to what you were saying about Wong, I'm not sure what they're going to choose to do, but they might put Hira at second for the time being and then have either Shaw start at first, maybe, or Vogelbach even. Uh, I, I would think there'll be some mixing and matching like Council likes to do, but they don't have great options at second, especially now depleted middle infield depth with Arcia gone. Uh, though they did sign... Uh, veteran formerly known as D Gordon, now D Strange Gordon, to a minor league deal. Uh, he was with the Reds uh, in in spring training and then didn't make the team. Uh, so he's some veteran depth. He doesn't provide that much. Got good speed, uh, some positional versatility, can play second base, uh, shortstop in a pinch, and a little bit of center field, mostly second base though. And right now he's going through the COVID protocols. So I actually wouldn't be surprised if he does end up being called up when he is done with those COVID protocols or gone through them. Although it would require them to designate Jace Peterson for assignment or another guy off the 40 man. Uh, they did move Bobby Wall to the 60 day injured list to make room for Jace Peterson on the 40 man roster who Wall seems like he can't make, uh, can't get a break with the Brewers has just had a tough stretch over the past couple of years, torn ACL and then just couldn't get his, his stuff going last year. Uh, but an interesting uh, veteran addition uh, for the Brewers to bring in D Strange Gordon. Um, like I said, he changed his name over the offseason. So he was known as D Gordon, same guy. A lot of moves regarding the middle infield, especially Brewers, though, uh, adding D Strange Gordon. Uh, potentially to help with the Arcia trade and Colton Wong going on the injured list could provide some valuable infield depth, probably a little bit better than a, a Jace Peterson type, even right now at this point in the later stages of his career. Yeah, certainly. So kind of an interesting name, D Gordon, um, you know, had a, has had a pretty decent career. Um, I, I notably first think of his home run after uh, Jose Fernandez's tragic death over in Miami. Uh, but like you said, a, a veteran presence that the Brewers did decide to add. Um, and potentially could be called up in the future. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, and before we – I definitely want to cover the Brewers' uh, week as far as uh, wins and loss here briefly. I'm sure many of you are well aware of, of the results so far this week. But just briefly touching on uh, Brewers' series against the Cubs first. Uh, in game one, the Brewers falling 5-3 to three on this one um, over on Monday. Brett Anderson had a tough time. Uh, five innings, four runs, didn't get, we did get the five innings from him, just uh, not the one or two runs from him. Uh, but Brewers falling in that one. Uh, wind was blowing out that game, a lot of home runs um, from what I uh, heard as well. Game two, uh, Brewers taking this one four to nothing. Freddie Peralta going five innings, uh, not allowing any runs. He did have four walks. I wouldn't say he looked great, but nonetheless, five innings, no runs. Uh, he passed it off to Suter, who threw three uh, shutout innings. Uh, he's been good to start this year, and the Brewers again taking that one four to nothing. And then game three, um, in the rubber match of the series, uh, Brewers taking this one and the series, uh, with a four two win. Lorenzo Kane, uh, providing a lot of offense for the Brewers with two home runs. Um, so big game from Lorenzo Kane. Uh, Brad Boxberger, uh, with the save, not I didn't expect uh, saves to be uh, 
held from from Brad Boxberger this year. Uh, but we did see Woodruff go seven innings that that game, giving up just one hit. So another great start uh, from Brandon Woodruff. Handed it off to Devin Williams and what the Brewers really wanted. You know, Woodruff almost uh, old school when you think about it. Woodruff going seven, pass it off to the to the uh, eighth inning guy, Devin Williams, and then it's supposed to go to Hater uh, and and work just like that perfectly. But of course, Devin Williams, unfortunately giving up a solo shot on the changeup. Um, so he's not off to the best start, but you know, we, we did expect some regression. And of course it's very, very early in the season. So he's pitched, yeah, he's pitched really... two games. Exactly. Exactly. So not, not too much to panic on, but Devin Williams, uh, loves change up. I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, I think it was Jack Peterson that, that was able to, um, get a change up from him and knock it out into right field. Um, kind of a, I thought it was a kind of an excessive celebration after the home run, like dropped the bat and yelled and flexed at home plate, which I thought was excessive in a, yeah, uh, it wasn't like a playoff April. game or right. Right. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. thinking. It, like, yeah, it was, it was a big home run. You know, they're down one, nothing late in the game, bottom of the eighth, you're facing Devin Williams and Josh Hader. So yeah, it's a big hit, but I thought that was excessive for the, the situation, but whatever, we don't need to go into that, uh, too much, but yeah, so that was Brewers taking two out of three against the Cubs. I'm um, taking care of business. We talked about that last week with the Cubs, you know, not being the same team that they are. Um, good that the Brewers were able to take two out of three in that series. Anything that David that you would add on that series before we take a look at the Brewers Cardinal series? Yeah, regarding the Jack Peterson, actually, uh, one thing that I can think of is the Cubs were upset with the Brewers in game two. Uh, Contreras got hit in the helmet in game one, and then I think it was Boxberger threw either a sinker or a changeup that ran in on Contreras and hit his elbow guard. Um, and Contreras took offense to that. Contreras started chirping at Boxberger. Narvaez got in front of Contreras to make sure nothing really started. But bench is still cleared. Nothing really happened. I feel like there are way too many of those nowadays. Uh, right. When the bench is clear. Uh, like, give me a fight or give me nothing, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and... Well, and even if you saw, if you watched Contreras, his at bat against Suter earlier in the game, Contreras clearly stuck his elbow out to try to get hit by the pitch. He didn't, but there was there was one pitch, a cutter inside, where he it was it was really obvious, almost as obvious as Michael Conforto's walk off against the Marlins, uh, where he stuck out his elbow for uh, that what would have been strike three, uh, but but I think that's probably the reason for Peterson's home run and I think that's how the season's going to go as far as the rivalry the Cubs no longer are the powerhouse they were they're no longer the favorites and they maybe have to grind a little bit more to grind out wins against the Brewers so I think the Cubs maybe have a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder against the Brewers and Cardinals and I think that's shaping up to be more of a three-team rivalry than it has been in years past yeah, you, you're certainly right on the on the bench as clear I did forget to mention that in game two like you said it wasn't a major thing um, just your typical rivalry stuff. Surprise! Really surprised that uh, Yadier Molina wasn't involved in it. Uh, but yes, that, that that is a good point. I'm sure that uh, that was that definitely had a, a role in, in Peterson's bat flex. I don't know what exactly mm-hmm. you want to call it. Well, Molina um, was involved in a in a benches clearing brawl earlier this week with uh, the Reds yes. and Castellanos. So he is yep. still doing his part um, to make yep. sure we're all entertained. Although we, that we might have been more of Castellanos as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I yeah, don't know what we're yeah, going to do when he's sure. gone, but, um, but yeah, he hasn't started anything so far in the first two games of the Cardinals series though. 
a pretty tight matchup, especially the first one. Uh, 3-1 loss. Burns pitched really well. Six innings, one hit. Peralta also only allowed one hit. In fact, the last two games of the Cubs series, they allowed five hits over 19 innings. So excellent uh, pitching so far. Yardley allowed one run to get in that tied the game. And then Rasmussen allowed a two-run shot to Arenado in his first home game in St. Louis. Brewers unable to come away with the win in the Cardinals home opener. But they did bring the bats out on Saturday, 9-5, like you mentioned. Uh, I wasn't able to watch that one. Uh, did you have any thoughts on especially the Saturday day game, but either of the first two games of the Cardinals series? Yeah, I mean, I think the first game, like you said, Main thing to cover there, Corbin Burns lights out again. Um, he's, in my opinion, flying under the radar. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Unfortunate that Yardley and Rasmussen, big, big one there, Rasmussen, that two-run shot given up to Arenado in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, certainly, if you're a Cardinals fan, that's fun to see. You know, Arenado's first game uh, over at Bush Stadium, uh, a go-ahead two-run homer in the eighth. But tough to see for Drew Rasmussen, who's off to a rough start um, on this year. Uh, and then on Saturday... Fun game to watch as a Brewer fan. Uh, Brewers Bass came alive after a little bit of a slower week. Um, big game from Avi Sayel Garcia. Um, smoked a two-run homer uh, in the fifth inning. I believe it was about 110 miles an hour off the bat. And then also roped another double in the seventh, which also, if I remember correct, was over 110 miles an hour off the bat. Uh, that was a two-run double, um, which kind of opened up the game there. Um, like I said, good Brewers offense all around. One thing I will note, uh, Keston Hira had a very rough game over at first base. Um, he had a, a play that should have been a, a pretty routine double play ground ball to him, step on first. Didn't really make himself a, a throwing lane and, and threw it into left field, uh, which would have been an inning ending double play for, uh, for Adrian Hauser. And then the big one came uh, when Brett Suter was pitching. Um, pretty big situation, ground ball down the first baseline. Hira got there. Um, glove just didn't get down. Got to get that glove dirty, as they say. Um, ball trickles under his glove and and ended up, of, of course, not not ending up uh, biting the Brewers um, in this one. But, yeah, that was the bottom of the six. But two runs scored um, after Justin Williams' ground ball that got under Hira's glove. And, you know, at that point in the game, Brewers were only up – three, two at that point and still runners on. So that could have, that could have really uh, changed the game. Of course, Brewers put up a, a crooked five spot in the seventh. Um, but yeah, good to see the Brewers bats come alive, 13 hits um, in this one. And, you know, evening up the series, any game against the Cardinals is important. And uh, hopefully the Brewers can come away with another one on Sunday to take the series. Yeah, for sure. Uh, here it did have better at bats. I know he went two for five, three RBIs, and I heard that he was hitting the ball pretty well. So at least that is encouraging because he has really not hit the first week of the year. Uh, so definitely a great thing to see. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did look better. Um, that was something that even Bill Shorter was talking about in the game, you know, after Hira's rough day defensively. And he's had a very slow start on the offensive side of things too. And, and, and he was even saying, you know, for a guy who is at a new position out of his comfort zone, really important for him to, to make sure that he doesn't lose his confidence. And um, right after that error in the sixth and the top of the seventh, he came out and, and, and went yard. So it was good to see him um, put up some better at bats and hopefully he is able to get things going. And we, we likely will see him in the, in the lineup. I mean, he's usually an everyday guy, but with Wong being out, um, now, I, I agree. I, I think it's likely we see him at second base in some form or fashion. So he's going to be in the in the lineup every day. And I think Craig Council and the Brewers still believe in his bat. Uh, and they're going to continue to give him opportunities to um, be one of those middle of the lineup uh, hitters that the Brewers need.
Mm-hmm. Also, Adrian Hauser got a hit. Uh, I didn't see that, but um, he did go one for two. Billy McKinney's been swinging the bat pretty well off the bench. He's now three for five in pinch hit opportunities this year. So that's been something that's been pretty encouraging. Yeah, actually, two other things I wanted to mention about this game. Uh, one was uh, Daniel Robertson's ground rule double. Uh, for those of you that saw it, you I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But uh, Robertson got a hold of the ball well. It went out to left center. Um, as the ball was going back, hit the wall and went over the wall, which generally that, that means it's a home run, right? You hit the top of the wall, it goes over. But in Robertson's case, it actually hit the middle of the wall. Um, and just the way that the wall was designed, it sort of had a ledge there hit the ledge, somehow spun up in the air and went over the fence, um, which was ruled a ground rule double, which was the correct ruling um, after. What, what, uh, do you know, like, what the the uh, purview of the rule is? Like, what the, yeah, like, what does it say about that? Yeah, so I, I was actually somewhat curious myself, because off the bat, I was kind of like, you know, how is that different from the top of the wall? You know, at, right. at Miller Park, you hit the top of the wall, it goes over, it's a home run. Um, and, and Bill Schroeder was talking about it with, with BA and was saying that a lot of the ballparks have, you know, the yellow line, like at, at American family field. Oh. Um, and so for an, at American family field, it would be that yellow line. And my understanding of the rule is that, that effectively, even if the wall doesn't have the yellow line, it's as if that yellow line is basically there near the top. So you have to hit the top of the wall and then for it to go over for it to be considered a home run, or of course, ask Jose Conseco. Uh, if it hits a player in the field, a defensive player on the field, and then goes over, that's also considered a home run um, as well. But, yeah, that was just kind of one of those obscure plays that, you know, B.A. was even saying. I, I don't think when they put that wall in that they were thinking about somebody hitting a, a, a fly ball off the middle of the wall that would somehow go over the wall. Denied physics, I guess. Yeah. And also, yeah. Uh, good to see, of course, we saw Garcia had a, a good game. He's been hitting better now, uh, a little bit after a really slow start. Shaw's been hitting the ball pretty well. Omar Narvaez hitting 455. Uh, he's looked really good so far. That's been yeah. really encouraging because uh, if the Brewers are able to get something out of Narvaez's bat, and his defense has really looked improved over the past, uh, past year and now into 2021, uh, he's looking like a pretty good value out of the catcher position, especially in that pretty minor trade that they made with Seattle to acquire him. Yeah, not only is he hitting 450, but he looked his at bats. He he looks different than last year. He looks a lot more confident, uh, taking pitches he should be taking, swinging at good pitches. Uh, happy to see both him and Travis Shaw having a good start to the year. Uh, and before we move on from uh, Saturday's game, I also wanted to mention Adrian Hauser um, and the Brewers pitching staff overall in this game. Hauser. Pretty well. Um, five innings, four walks, uh, one unearned run. Uh, overall, pitched pretty well. His, his sinker look did look pretty good. Um, his sinker got up to 95, 96, I believe, um, in the game. So he really, you know, had a little extra velo today. Um, I thought he pitched pretty well. His stuff looked good. Um, Suter came in. And then JP Fireisen. He, I mean, this was the first time I really sat down and watched him uh, this year. I didn't really see him much in spring, a little bit of highlights, but he looked uh, outstanding. He had a really good changeup um, that uh, some were comparing to the great Devin Williams changeup, uh, but had a really good changeup, slider, fastball, upper 90s. He was out there throwing four pitches in an inning out of relief. Um, looked really, really good. So that, that could be something to, to look out for as well. Uh, Brewers already have a very dangerous bullpen, but you had another piece you know, like a, a fire rising who's, you know, able to come in and, and lock down innings that plays a big role um, 
especially if we if we see a little bit more regression from Devin Williams, which we'll see what happens. But just wanted to highlight Fireisen. His stuff looked outstanding in that game. Um, and, you know, overall, I mean, we're, we're excluding Sunday, of course. But overall, pretty good week. Brewers taking two out of three from the Cubs, uh, splitting the first two games of the series at Bush Stadium. And hopefully the Brewers are able to take game three uh, against Cardinals in that one. But uh, first, we got to highlight the Brewers pitching. We've talked about it uh, kind of. Uh, all throughout today's episode, uh, through the game recaps, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Hauser, all having pretty good starts this week. You know, what do you want to share today, David, about the Brewers starting pitching and the performance that we've seen thus far? Yeah, there were a number of stats that I saw on Twitter that really stood out to me. Um, they were from various accounts. Uh, Kurt Hogg, who uh, works for the Journal Sentinel, was one of them. Mike Visayo, I think the Brewers Director of Media Relations, uh, tweeted out one of them. There's even one from uh, Will Salmon of The Athletic and one of the more notable uh, Major League stat uh, accounts. I forget who. I uh, just want to give uh, credit so it doesn't seem like I'm stealing their stats. Uh, but um, CC Sabathia had probably the greatest half season in Brewers history in 2008. He had an 11-start stretch, the best 11-start stretch that he made during that 2008 season. 1-5-2 ERA, 85 strikeouts, 14 walks, 1.03 whip. Corbin Burns over his last 11 starts matches that ERA exactly. Five more strikeouts, two more walks, and a whip of uh, almost 0.15 better. So Corbin Burns maybe even outpitching CeCe. Of course, not the same circumstances given the, the Brewers' uh, postseason drought and carrying them into the playoffs, but statistics uh, show that they've performed similarly, and that's probably the best half season in Brewers history. Corbin Burns also now has the most nine-plus strikeouts, uh, one or fewer walks, and zero runs allowed starts in Brewers franchise history, uh, the most of those starts in Brewers franchise history by any pitcher, and he's made 15 career starts for the Brewers. He's also struck out at least five and allowed three or fewer runs in 14 straight outings. Um, that's the longest streak in Brewers history by five games. Nobody's ever had more than nine in Brewers franchise history. And it's the 16th longest streak in MLB history. And Corbin Burns, uh, where does he rank across baseball since August when he uh, came into the Brewers rotation? ERA 1.45, number one. Fielding independent pitching 1.52, number one. F war 2.7, number one. Whip 0.79, also number one. Home run to fly ball ratio, 5.6%. So 5.6% of fly balls converting to uh, becoming home runs. That one's not as meaningful of a stat, but also first. Uh, strikeout minus walk percentage. So uh, one of the big parts of pitching is having a lot of strikeouts and not very many walks. 33% if you take the strikeouts and subtract the walks out of it. And that's second across all of baseball. This year's stat line is just absurd. Um, he's 12 and a third innings only, but 14.59 strikeouts per nine. So that's 20 Ks in 12 and a third innings. No walks, one home run. He uh, also has a 0.73 ERA, a ridiculous 0.16 whip. Um, so Corbin Burns has been outstanding. Um, he has, um, I would say, really set himself up to be a Cy Young candidate this year already. I mean, it's very early, two starts, but he has looked Excellent. I mean, it's not like he's just getting by with these great starts. Uh, he's looked really good. And Woodruff's looked really good, too. I don't want to overlook him. He had a shaky first start, but then he was he was dominating in, in his second start. Freddie Peralta had a pretty solid start, too. 
Uh, seems like the Brewers have the makings of an excellent rotation. And those are just some numbers backing up the excellence, specifically of Corbin Burns. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we talked about this uh, way back on the podcast about, you know, what do we expect from Corbin Burns? Of course, had the very rough uh, 2019. 2020 was outstanding, um, but could not have gone any better, as you, as you see. I mean, first in the league in, in all the major categories, really. Um since he since he rejoined the rotation, which I, I, to be honest, I, I was a little hesitant to even have him rejoin the rotation. I wasn't really confident in him in his ability uh, to do so, and and he has proved everybody wrong. Um, and like you said, I, I, at this point, obviously he is a Cy Young candidate. Um, two outstanding starts. I mean, the one against the Twins, even that that the one hit he allowed, which was the home run, um, was a cutter, you know, down and away on the corner. Um, so. Some of that's just, you know, that's just how it goes. But but he's looked outstanding. Woodruff, like you said, besides the first start, has looked good. Freddie Peralta, uh, I mentioned his start this week. A few too many walks, but it, I was good to see uh, a little bit of a more of a mix from him, uh, less reliance on the fastball, seeing that slider, um, which was maybe a little bit inconsistent, but still good to see him mix in the slider. Uh, he was still effective with that pitch. So interesting to see how he can also transform himself uh, and move from a two-pitch relief pitcher to really mixing in three to four pitches as a starting pitcher and, and see if he can also get a little bit later into games too, as we get into the season, we'll see if uh, he's able to do that. And then, you know, Adrian Hauser and Brett Anderson rounding up the rotation at this point. Um, like I said, Hauser looked pretty good today and hopefully Anderson is able to bounce back uh, Sunday in, in that start, but very happy with, of course, with the Brewers pitching uh, a great, great week for the starting rotation and a good day on Saturday from the offense. Hopefully, uh, this that'll continue and carry forward uh, into the weekend and next week um, as they have a pretty important game Sunday against the Cardinals. So, David, any final thoughts here before we get out uh, today and uh, give today's trivia question answer? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, the pitching has been excellent and the offense seems like it's been better. Last year, it seemed like uh, they were a lot, there were a lot of just bad at bats. They, they didn't really seem like they were going to turn a corner at any point, but I definitely see more encouraging signs this year. So that is a good sign. Brewers might be the favorite in the NL Central right now. Not necessarily saying that because of their record or something like that, but just the way that they've looked as a team, um, how, they've, uh, how they've performed so far, uh, more like certain players, how they've performed. And uh, I think that this is going to be a pretty exciting season, uh, even saying that only a week and a half into the year. Uh, but that will parlay us into the trivia question. Uh, so we will have the answer for you. We'll see if Peter can get this right. Uh, I saw this, this, uh, this stat on Twitter also. How many times has a pitcher had two consecutive starts of six plus innings and one or fewer hit and zero walks in major league history? Uh, two consecutive starts of six plus innings, one or fewer hits and zero walks before Corbin Burns. And is this uh, source Elias Sports Bureau for uh, just about every stat that, that shows up on um, ESPN? I did not see it on <laughs> Elias Sports Bureau, but it probably is uh, somehow going back to Elias Sports Bureau. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and this is in Major League history, correct? Yes, that's correct. Just going to throw out a, a guess of four. Zero is the correct answer. Huh. There have been... There have been Two pitchers who have had two consecutive appearances of that, um, but never two consecutive starts. So Corbin Burns actually is the first. Uh, and it's not like an oddly specific. I mean, it's a little bit specific, but it's not like oddly specific. Um, I mean, it's 
innings pitched hits and walks. I mean, that's not really that right. It's not like that specific. So that definitely did surprise me. Um, Even the great Johnny Vandermeer, who threw back-to-back no-hitters with the Reds, can't claim that he did that because he walked uh, batters in his no-hitter. So Corbin Burns with uh, with back-to-back history-making starts, I guess, but um, outstanding performances for the Brewers. First guy ever to do that, What do what he did in uh, two consecutive starts. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I I did hear that stat somewhere, but I did not hear – I I figured it was only a handful of of pitchers have done that, but – you know, like you said, still very impressive uh, that he's able to do that and certainly has been very exciting to watch Burns and the rest of the rotation go to work this year. Um, so, again, Brewers, big game rubber match on uh, on, on Sunday or yesterday now uh, as you are listening to this. And then another three games against the Cubs, uh, this time at home uh, Monday through Wednesday, off day Thursday, and then hosting the Pirates for a Friday to Sunday series. Hopefully Brewers able to uh, take advantage of the weaker competition there against Pittsburgh. Because uh, the following week, they've got uh, the, the Padres, which should be a good series. Uh, they're they're, they're uh, rivals, again, the Cubs and Dodgers later in the month. So uh, like we've talked about, pretty strong schedule this month and a lot of divisional games. So important month, hoping to see the offense gain a little bit more consistency. Uh, but at this point, I think as Brewer fans, happy to see where the Brewers are at right now. And as I sign off, as always, go Brewers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there. And interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.